For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. everybody. This is Tim Burns, and this is the Tim Burns Show. I am the common man with common sense and an uncommon desire to know the truth, and this is the place you tune in to learn something new. In fact, I do the homework that you may not have the time or the desire to do, and that makes sense in an economy where we're all just trying to keep up with too much month at the end of the money, when there's really no hope of investing in oneself to get ahead, to pursue the American dream. All we're doing is trying to keep up in America. We do uh, politics and current events here, a little business stuff, facts of science, fact of God, and a dedicated focus to America. Now, I'm going to go over some headlines today, and thank you for indulging me yesterday in um, what just really, really irritated me regarding this idea that because... 0.1 0.1 of 0.1 of 0.1% of something that happens out there. And now we've never grown in 300 years. And because of that one event, gee, we're all racists. So anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, there's a couple of tax things I want to get to. I wanted to wrap up a loose end yesterday. Talking about the whole idea of what scheme money scheme, tax scheme is going to be involved with the whole idea of tending to the climate, of fixing the climate, of, well, doing what apparently Mother Nature can't do on her own. We're going to do that based upon going into a movie for 15 seconds, a four-hour-long movie, and thinking we know what the whole movie's about. We haven't even, we haven't even gotten to the point where we're able to put information together and yet they have conclusions on how to solve all this well where does it all start it starts with a tax and let's for lack of a better word put credit tax car i mean a a carbon credit tax a carbon tax a carbon dioxide tax whatever they end up calling it i mentioned yesterday about the obamacare tax now, this is 2.8% on every transaction within the healthcare industry. Now, before Obamacare, the healthcare industry represented one sixth of our entire economy. Afterwards, I'm going to assume it's at least one fifth or 20% of the economy, perhaps right now, even 25% of the economy. Let's call it 20% of the economy. And there's a 2.8% tax on that entire sector. That, do the simple math on that, that means a half a percent of GDP growth is disappearing to that Obamacare tax. So if the economy grows 
at what they call Goldilocks levels, 2%, which is just absurd. If it grows at 2%, 33% or 25% goes to Obamacare tax. Now, let's look at the context of a carbon tax. And I'm sure we'll set the example. I have no idea what kind of number they would put on a transaction, not of one-fifth of the economy, but of everything that takes place in the economy because they will find a way to deem it necessary to tax because of the carbon implications everything that goes on in the United States and America's economy. So let's, I'm going to think it's got to be at least 3%, but it's got to be more than Obamacare in Obama's world. But let's be really, really conservative about this. Let's call it a 1% tax on everything. Well, the GDP measurement, gross domestic product, is a measurement of all of production that takes place within America. Well, if you have a tax of 1% on everything that goes on in America, well, then you're looking at Realistically, that 1% has to be subtracted from GDP growth. It's, it's an apple-to-apple -apple comparison. Let's say they decide it's a 2% tax. Let's say our economy is finally turning around, and we're growing at, well, minimum 3%, maybe a 4% growth rate, and 2% of that goes to a tax to cover all of the conclusions based upon bad science, bad information going into computer models that are going to spit out whatever they say. This economy has no chance to grow if this thing passes. And that's why I've, I've focused, that's why I do a lot of homework on all of this climate-related scheme that is going to take place here, that they're going to try and shove down our throats. Now, again, I'm delaying getting to, I've got a bunch of climate gate, climate-related articles, and I'm hoping that I can get a guest that uh, will bring some, now, I, I have no idea if the guest actually is going to bring anything new to the table, because I do a lot of homework on this, and uh, it's always nice to have some other's opinion. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to make that comparison about the Obamacare tax versus the, whatever you want to call it, the Obama carbon tax. We might as well, everything gets named after Obama. I mean, that's his biggest legacy. He's got a name on everything, except nothing is being accomplished with it. It's a legacy of title and not a legacy of accomplishment. Now, another tax-related item. I happen to be watching uh, just the beginning of O'Reilly and his talking points. And uh, he was talking about uh, Rand Paul's tax plan, a 14.5% flat tax across the entire board. It eliminates lots of deductions. It does away, actually, with Social Security tax, with the FICA tax. And it will be supplemented. The loss of those revenues coming in will be supplemented, I guess, uh, by corporate entity uh, taxes on a higher, uh, 
different kinds of fees that might take place with all of this. And O'Reilly, and obviously Rand Paul's plan probably does away. I didn't quite hear it. I was in and out listening to it. Does away with the real estate mortgage deduction. Now, O'Reilly cannot see upsetting the real estate market by eliminating the interest rate write-off on your mortgage payments. That would upset uh, uh, the housing market. Well, isn't the housing market been upset since the real estate crash in 2000? Well, starting late 2006, 2007, and then culminating in a final big crash, which took down and affected to a high degree the entire financial system in this country. I mean, if you're going to make some changes, there's going to have to be a settling process. Why wouldn't you at this point? They've never allowed the real estate market to find its base since this. They've, whether it was Dodd-Frank coming up with new rules about how you lend money, they went from giving money to anybody who wanted money for a house to making it tough as nails to qualify to get into a house. The pendulum swung from ease to tough. And, of course, we looked at all the foreclosure bailouts. I actually know somebody <laughs> whose mother personally wrote a letter to Obama saying she was going to lose her house. And this was right after, this is when, well, lots of stimulus money was going to make people happy. She actually got $100,000 by writing a letter, and it helped to save her house from going, her mortgage from going into foreclosure. Now, all sorts of that money was being handed out. At times, you have to let a market, whatever that market is, find its base by itself without trying to create artificial rescues. And so regarding O'Reilly's opinion that real estate mortgage deducted deductions would really seriously harm, how much more harm can it do? On top of that, if you come up with a tax plan at a tax rate which puts more money in, back, in the back pocket of people, it'll all wash itself out. It'll work itself out. On top of that, we are a 70% consumer spending economy. The more money you put in the back pocket of Americans, they're just going to go out there and spend it. And instead of just spending it to keep up, they may have, again, like I said, sometimes it's just that impression that I'm slightly getting ahead. I've, I've just invested more in my American dream. Whatever income level you're at, it creates a hope. It creates a joy, in essence. It creates a confidence and the joy that grows from that confidence that, hey, I just accomplished one more step and I just keep, want to take, I keep wanting to take another step, one step at a time, and I want to feel good along the way. We don't live in an economy for the vast majority of Americans that offers that opportunity right now. Because exactly the opposite is taking place. Every time any kind of prosperity might be happening, 
either another surcharge, another fee, another tax is waiting there, or they make a decision to create another tax. But this carbon tax, <laughs> just wait for the, implica the implications of how much this will harm an economy and any economy. Now, O'Reilly had, right after that, after the talking points, he had Charles Krautheimer on. And the one good thing I agree with uh, Charles on was that Canada has no mortgage deduction, no uh, interest rate mortgage deduction for a tax situation. And I forget what his little quip was, but uh, I don't see, oh, I don't see uh, Canada living in igloos at this point. But the thing I did not agree with Krautheimer was he wants to do a two-tiered 10% for lower income, whatever you breaking point you make that at, and a 25% rate. The Tim Burns show and a Tim Burns tax plan, which we talked about in a show, 10%. 10% out of paychecks goes to the federal government and a 10% sales tax collected wherever that purchase is made at the local level. The city retains part, the county retains part, and the state retains part. You know, the biggest problem we have is we send so much money to Washington and then try and beg for it to get back to our own districts that we're dependent. The more money they have at the federal level, the more money we're dependent on them for, which means it would be this tax plan I have would make it so that would alleviate the pressure of having to ask the federal government and the federal government using it as leverage over our head. What's the perfect example of that? Obamacare. Hey, we're going to withhold your Medicaid unless you create a state exchange. And how many states said, <laughs> so? We don't want that money because we don't want a state exchange. And besides, your Obamacare health care law says it's 50 state exchanges. That's what the biggest problem with this Supreme Court hearing. We'll see. I just saw a headline saying that the Supreme Court is a lot more liberal now, and we'll see what they do when it comes to the rendering of a decision on the Obamacare case, which specifically goes, I mean, it's like two sentences in the 2,500 pages. It's clear as day when you read what was supposed to be the model. There was no such thing in 2,500 pages of a federal health care exchange. And for certain, no tax deductions no tax, no way to get right off, no way to jump through the, the hoop or ring the bell or blow on the whistle in order to get the deduction so you can fit in and qualify for these really good health care rates. And we all know, I mean, I just still heard the, the same, well, we've created uh, 16 million new people. Well, how many of those people actually had health care before that let's go apples to apples there were about 30 people 30 million people without insurance before obamacare and there's about 30 million people without insurance 
after. That's a zero-sum game. But you throw out a number like 90% of people are covered now. Oh, you don't want me to do any homework on that, do you, Mr. President? Why? Because the facts speak for themselves. That it was a zero-sum game. Nothing was gained. The promise of having every American insured was an utter failure. Let's throw this thing out. John Roberts, you have a chance to get out of the top five most boneheaded Supreme Court decisions when you made the decision to allow Obamacare to go forward in the first place. Let's see if he got the gumption. Well, it might be that Kennedy, Justice Kennedy, who actually was on the no on Obamacare side in that original ruling and left it up to one man out of 320 million, John Roberts, to make the decision to retranslate stuff in the Constitution, words in the Constitution, to slip it through to keep some sort of imagery. Well, now it looks like John Roberts may be going the other way because I saw an article where Justice Kennedy is now could be going where John Roberts went the first time around. All right, folks. This is the Tim Burns Show on 810 KLVZ. Tim Burns, Phenomenal Exhibit Services. You know, big business is done at these conventions, and if you are the responsible party at your company for making those exhibits work right on the convention floor, and it seems that it's nothing but hassles and headaches and nightmares, that the logistics just aren't working, I encourage you to make a phone call to Nominal Exhibit Services. They're the one place that starts and ends the process. They take you from point A to point B, and they will free up the most important thing you need, time to do business at these conventions. So call them, 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. I'm going to get Sue something from this really cool jewelry website. What's the special occasion? There isn't one, but I was talking to Hank, and he said he went to JT Jewelry and got Jill something. And funny story, he was watching a movie and heard the line, the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. He goes to JT Jewelry and not only got her a pair of earrings, he got her a pendant too. He gives her the earrings, and she loved them. A few minutes later, he gives her the pendant and tells her, let's go to the jewelry store and get fitted into a necklace that's just the way you want it. He got her two pieces of jewelry? Yeah, he said the prices were so good he couldn't resist, but the story gets better. They went to a company outing, and the boss's wife saw the pendant and just loved it. Jill was a hit of the party. That must have made him feel good. Good? Hank said the night might have been even better than his wedding night. (laughs) (laughs) What's that website again? JT-Jewelry.com all right welcome back to the tim burns show Uh, a few little headlines here that uh, i'll just get to I did mention that Hillary has interns. Now, I mentioned yesterday that Jorge Ramos, the uh, 
big voice on Univision, lots of influence. His daughter is now working for the Hillary campaign. I promise you she's getting paid. But there's a headline about Hillary and lots of the interns who actually are working for free. I didn't read it, but I had heard that some of these interns were actually promised to not just be a full-time volunteer, but to be on the payroll, and it's not happening. Uh, we have the trade agreement that got a vote of 60 to 37 to pass the first hurdle that it needs to pass in order to get to a final vote. And this is, this is really kind of shameful that uh, we have, it is one of the most complex scratch-your-head issues regarding why Republicans support this uh, here we go. The Senate on Tuesday voted to advance President Obama's trade agenda, approving a measure to end debate on a fast-track authority. It sets into motion, 60 to 37, sets, in, sets up a final v- passage on Wednesday. So this is, to, for lack of a better word, all the, the uh, um, procedure that takes place on cloture rules and that uh, inside the beltway type stuff. And this show is not about <laughs> inside the, there's plenty of people who live, eat and sleep inside the beltway. And that's great, but I'm about the bigger picture here. And, uh, so I, I, I want to take the high road over and see what kind of mess is down below. If the Senate approves fast track or trade promotion authority, it would then be sent to Obama's desk to become law. Again, this is about American sovereignty. If we get involved with a 12-nation, it's give and take, it's compromise. Well, who do you think is going to end up giving the most when it comes to any kind of deal where we align ourselves like an EU union, a European union-type structure where there's only a few things in common and then you're depending on other countries, well, there is a lot of underneath-the-headline stuff that would take place that would give countries almost a, well, a position of decision-making that should be within our walls of this country, and yet, Entities outside the walls of our country would have decision-making processes, including taking American corporations to some sort of economic world court. And and it's just, we just need to get our act together. And I talked about how we can do that. And it's through energy. We can lead the world. This goes hand in hand with all of the climate, all of the supposed answers that we need in order to solve Mother Nature's problem because she can't solve it herself. The way you're going to clean up the world because we are not going to do away with oil. The way you clean it up is you create the technologies that will help the rest of the world clean itself up as they go along. This attitude that we should all be living in log cabins or 
and and you know dipping our pitchers dipping our vases into the river to to drink water it's absurd the whole idea is to, is to make progress step by step and with an attitude of doing it cleaner and doing it more efficiently if we have that attitude the rest will take care of it if that is the goal we pursue the rest will take care of itself it's not going to happen overnight but most of the great discoveries that help mankind as a whole are discovered by accident you can't discover those accidents you can't make those discoveries if you're not actually in a laboratory or doing some research or even given the opportunity to develop new ideas. Look, oil's going to be around for hundreds of years until the, the, the new energies, which are not wind and solar, unless they make, hey, I think there is both in water and from a solar perspective, there is a way for great energy technologies to take place. But solar hasn't gotten there yet. We did something a while back. There's a five-mile diameter circle of solar panels that were initiated for 140,000 homes to be able to supply the electricity to those homes, and they they underestimated. It's really only 70,000. Now, it's out in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of the desert. It's out in those pristine areas that all the eco-terrorists would say, you're not supposed to get on that land. You're not supposed to touch. Look, they're hypocrites in that regard. If there's one, one species, and there's not very many, and they've deemed that species cannot go extinct, oh, they'll do anything that is possible to preserve that land. But when it fits into the whole idea of new energy and new wave of energy and Oh, hey, no problem going on to pristine lands that shouldn't be touched in the first place. I've made this. There is no foresight in the liberal mentality. We have the perfect idea right now. We want to implement it, and it'll work. Because why? Because we thought about it. Just think about wind, windmills, wind turbines. I've seen them. From my perspective, forget about the, the effect on birds and wildlife being killed, even solar panels. Can you imagine the heat if you end up as a bird flying over that and you don't have the strength to make it all the way across that five-mile panel of reflecting heat? I can just imagine by the time millions of these windmills have dotted the landscape of pristine land that once was supposedly untouchable, And we got all these windmills on them. And at some point, those same people who promoted it finally may go and say to themselves, wow, this is really ugly stuff. There must be, on top of that, they'll find a better way. There's a better mousetrap than wind energy. I really like the idea. Well, That's another show and another segment, and I'm hoping to get another guest from this particular company who does have a better mousetrap, and that'll go hand-in-hand with this whole smart meter, this whole keeping, upgrading the grid. 
you know, you can get off the grid. And I'm not talking about all those, if you're on the internet and you see those, uh, but those are, there are some good ideas within that, but there is a way that you can take any energy, whether it's Dennis Kucinich's Wienermobile and his vegetable oil fuel, or whether it's gasoline, natural gas, diesel, heating oil, solar, wind, biofuel, goes into this machine. It provides the energy to a certain machine that creates electricity with no carbon footprint. There's no combustibility. It stores the... Can you imagine farmers hooking their windmills that bring the water up from the ground, hooking those things up? Here's the key. You don't have to... Yeah, you don't have to be on the grid. And a technology like this actually would make spending trillions upon trillions of dollars of supposedly the electric grid we need across this country, it would make it obsolete before they even got it done, and it would save the American taxpayer trillions of dollars. There is a better mousetrap that's waiting out there besides putting multiple carburetors on a Model T which is exactly what building the electric grid out would be. Besides, it makes us all dependent in a centralized energy format. All right, we'll be right back with The Tim Burns Show. A promise was made, a promise that hit the beaches of Normandy, a vow that captured Iwo Jima, a contract that weathered Tet, a pledge that stormed the desert in Iraq, an IOU that braved IEDs in Kandahar. A promise was made to America's veterans. DAV fights to keep that promise so all veterans and their families get the benefits and support they earned. For help, visit DAV.org. On a rainy evening, a crowd has gathered by a broken guardrail. A helpless husband watches, seeing his wife trapped by the river as the car slowly slips into the darkness. That's what it's like when someone you love has ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. You watch helplessly as their body degenerates. But with your help in funding global research, the ALS Association can slow the disease and find a cure. So go to ALSA.org to join the fight. Tim Burns for DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. Are you looking for an adoptable pet that's been rescued from abandonment or abuse? You know, there's a lot of different dogs out there. You can get a dog that goes from abandonment and abuse to a cage and then to you. That will never happen at DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. Why? Because they have a great rehabilitation system that helps the animal find who itself is. So I encourage you, anywhere on the front range, if you're looking for a dog, go to DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. All right, welcome back. A few more headlines here. Um, we've got, let's see. Oh, Jeff Sessions on this trade vote that just took place. Jeff Sessions, who basically is the only man standing fighting for the American people. 
uh, too many of the Republican senators who are running for president have to be very careful in treading a fine line as they develop their campaign strategies. Sessions' quote is, they won the vote, but they lost the trust of the American people. Biggest problem is, is we don't have a media. You think the deadhead media is going to cover what Jeff Sessions has to say and the stand he's taking? Of course not. In fact, the deadhead media is so worried about, well, they're worried about, is Hillary really, is she really going to have that much of a test from Bernie Sanders? He was in Denver here, standing nose. Now, it could be a fad. He's fresh out of the gate. But he is, I, there is even talk about Hillary losing Iowa and New Hampshire on the first two primaries regarding, wouldn't this be fun? <laughs> anyway, uh, another headline that I saw here was millions are fleeing high tax states. Now, the one thing is, is California still has that reputation of the, the place you want to go because there's actually an influx still into, Colorado, into California. And even though they're at 13.3%, State tax rate. I had made mention about Phil Mickelson winning both the uh, Scottish Open and the British Open in the same year, and he pocketed something like, oh boy, it was like $2.5 million. And what he owed to the state of California was 13.3%, $244,000. That if he lived in Texas or Florida, that would have gone to his daughter's college education. Now, I know some people will say, oh, well, Phil Nicholson doesn't need the money. He can afford that. And he can afford to give back to his own state. And I understand being born and raised in California, it's a tough place to leave. There's an attitude out there. And he has a devotion, Phil Mickelson, to the state of California. It made it tough. And boy, when he even made mention of the idea of leaving California, he got riddled. Well, Millions are fleeing these high-tax states, and where do you think they're going? Why do you think Florida and Texas have the kinds of economic growth? You know, speaking of the, the grid that's out there, did you know there's an east and west grid? And the whole grid can be affected by whatever circumstance, electromagnetic pulse, so we have two, I mean, this is how centralized everything being connected is. And in a sense, that's a good thing in a way. And the exposure and the vulnerability stands out like a sore thumb, especially if we're not going to take securing that grid seriously. Did you know the state of Texas is all self-contained? The entire United States east-west grids could go completely down, and Texas has its own self-contained system. They could be in the Western Hemisphere. They could be the only light shining at night. I applaud them <laughs> for having the goal to have their own backyard taken care of and not depending on anybody else. Now, uh, there is another story, and of course, this is government-related, these things come out one by one. Amtrak, we know that Amtrak is funded, gets funding from the federal government, subsidized by the federal government. 
The audit released by Amtrak's Office of Inspector General, so this is the self-policing organization within Amtrak, I'm assuming, they found examples of abuse in the overtime system, which totaled nearly $200 million in overtime pay last year. Now, I printed out this whole article, and I'm going to just try and grab some things. Employees, one such trend was employees claiming the impossible feat of working 48 hours in a single day. Employees reported 1,357 days in which they worked more than 24 regular and overtime hours. They were milking the system. Nobody watching their back and allowed to do this. I did the math on this. I'll get to that math. Ten employees reported working at least 40 hours in one day and putting it all in overtime. Of those ten employees, a serving attendant in the cafe car who earns an average of $23 an hour recorded almost 48 hours in one day, 31, which were overtime. That's a good payday paycheck for one day, eh? Numerous employees also claimed 20-hour days. And it goes on and on through the statistics here. Uh, one employee, a locomotive technician, claimed to have worked 130 hours in a single work. 90 of those hours were overtime. So these people figured out how to milk the system. Was it in the entire uh, workforce of Amtrak? Probably not. But I did some numbers because right at the end of the article here, it talks about uh, <laughs> they have all sorts of stories that are really kind of fun. But at the end, Amtrak, this is the last paragraph in the article, and this was kind of a long article, Let's see that uh, Amtrak's payroll system itself is complicated. The company uses six timekeeping systems to process timesheets and calculate weight. Well, the more complicated you make something, the more easy it is to be manipulated and to be deceived and to be reworked and to take advantage of and for corruption to happen as well as 179 unique timekeeping absence and attendance codes. Amtrak paid 19, roughly 19,300 employees $1.2 billion in 2014, including 199 million, one-sixth, 16 to over 15% was in overtime pay. Labor costs account for 29% of Amtrak's annual expenses. That's absurd. With the price of fuel, with everything that... But here was a key. There are 14 unions. And remember, this is partially subsidized. This is one of these quasi-private, public-funded. Government gives it subsidies. So... You have a union within Amtrak. Who do they negotiate with? Do, are they negotiating with the government for these union contracts? Here Amtrak is negotiating with the government. So the union membership of Amtrak is doing their negotiating with another union membership of government employees. 
So the union is negotiating with the union. Where is the citizen participation in this formula? Were there any citizens allowed to render any kind of opinion regarding the contracts that were... I mean, you can write up anything you want in that kind of a contract. You're basically negotiating with yourself. That must be tough to come up with the highest dollar figure to be paid with. Overall, there are 14 unions with 23 different collective bargaining agreements, each with their own rules for calculating employee time and pay. Wow, that's a good system. Again, the more confusion, the more corruption you can actually accomplish in a system like that. There are separate unions for locomotive engineers, onboard service crew members, maintenance of way crews, coach cleaners, and police department employees. Does this Amtrak need any more money from us? Or perhaps maybe it's time that we give them the opportunity to see if they can survive on their own. You know, the best thing sometimes is when you have to look for creative answers because it inspires the mind. It inspires that thinking process. We get into that mundane routine. Hey, this is the way it is. And this is the way it's always been. And this is the way it's always going to be. Well, all of a sudden the light bulb of creativity completely disappears. There's no potential for good ideas to happen. Now, I did some quick math on the 19,300 total employees of Amtrak, $1.2 billion, that's $62,000 average pay per employee. And $10,000 per employee was in overtime pay. Now, not all employees are getting that money. There's always This is an average it's just like temperature averages. There's highs and lows. The temperature usually never hits the average. It's either always above or below it. And you're going to have employees who make a lot more than this. You're going to have employees who have milked this for big dollars. Why? How could they do it? Because they could. Because there's no oversight. There's no accountability. And here this office of, uh, um, of investigate the... Uh, the inspector general is the Amtrak's version inspector general. So it's a policing of itself. All right, move on from that. Uh, you know, there's a poll out from New Hampshire that Trump has surged. Donald Trump has surged in New Hampshire. And I read through the poll and it talked about the fact that Jeb Bush is leading now, remember the poll, the NBC poll that I talked about? Jeb Bush was at 22%. He's at, I think, 17% in this New Hampshire poll. And from state to state, you're going to see different favorites who rise to the top. That's just the way it is. Uh, there was no chance for Mitt Romney to win South Carolina. Newt Gingrich was going to win that with, with uh, what he brings to the table. So everybody brings something different to the table regarding how a state is going to look at them. I mean, look at Bernie Sanders. He might win Iowa. He might win New Hampshire as the, if the primaries were hold, held today. And that would really put a worry into Hillary. But then again, once Bernie Sanders gets into states where people are, are going to say, 
no, we're not going to vote for you, Bernie. Well, there was another poll that came out. And I talked about Jeb Bush's may, maybe his push up in the polls was a result of this really good Jimmy Fallon gig he did, uh, the slow jam with the news. And maybe that was a bump regarding that. But there's also another poll. Bill Crystal does his own poll. Now, I'm sure he's looking for people who would be likely voters in a Republican primary and a Republican election for a Republican candidate. Now, he's got Scott Walker in first place. He's got Marco Rubio in second place. And those numbers are 27 to 22 percent, Ted Cruz at 11 percent, and Jeb Bush at 8 percent. So here's, here's that thing we have to think about. Are we seeing polls with Bush up at the top, Jeb up at the top, because this is... This plants impressions in the minds of potential voters down the road. Wow, Jeb Bush is leading. I guess I should vote for I, I always want to be associated with It's the bandwagon effect. I'm going to vote for a winner. So the media understands this, and certainly the political strategists like Karl Rove understand this stuff. But yet when you go to the common man out there in America and say, who do you like? Scott Walker has been on top of most of those polls when you're actually looking at the type of voter that would end up at the poll voting. So this is going to be very interesting. How much really, I, what is, I, I don't really understand the New Hampshire mentality. Perhaps it's because, you know, the Bushes have their vacation Homes up there in uh, Kennebunkport, Maine, and and uh, he's a favorite son of the region. The whole family's a favorite son. I don't I don't know, but it it's very interesting to see that if you get a deadhead poll, I think you're always going to see Bush leading that because that's who they want. That's who the establishment Republican want. How do we know this? Because this is what they did to us for two straight elections. Uh, Scott Walker maintains the lead. Uh, Hillary Clinton, <laughs> there's a headline, Hillary Clinton is going to lose. She doesn't even see the frustrated progressive wave that will nominate Bernie Sanders. <laughs> there's another story about a mysterious pyramid that was spotted on one of the moons, the dwarf planet. And here we go with this. Remember this story about the face on Mars? And I saw a program on this. And once you went to a different angle with a different light casting a different shadow, you can't even see that there's a face. So you can make anything out of anything if you want to. Now, this I saw the picture of this. It is pretty good-sized, what looks like a mountain. And uh, the only thing I can conclude is it's called volcanic activity. All right, we'll be right back on the Tim Burns Show here on 810 KLVZ.
Tim Burns Phenomenal Exhibit Services, you know, big business is done at these conventions. And if you are already participating in your industry's convention and somehow it just isn't working right, maybe your venue has moved from one city to the next and labor is a complete hassle. You know what it takes to have smooth logistics. I encourage you to give Nominal Exhibit Services a call at 303-901-9090. One phone call does it all. They manage the entire process. So again, take the hassles out. Call Nominal 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. Remember Hank's story about the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time? Yeah, you were right. JT Jewelry does have some really cool stuff. So I did what Hank did. Got Amy two pieces of jewelry, and she loved them. And that special touch of going together to the jewelry store to get her pendant just the way she wanted it worked like a charm. Next time you see Hank, tell him thanks. I will, but let me tell you another story. I saw Bill, and he looked like a truck had run him over. I asked him what was wrong, and he said he went to a bunch of other jewelry stores looking to get a gift for Jean. And they had all the same stuff, and it was nothing but bling by all the same designers. He stepped up to the pump, spent a pretty good penny, and gave it to her, and she loved it. So he was a hero. Yep, but only until they went to a wedding reception a few days later. As people were introducing themselves, a lady came up, and they both noticed they were wearing the exact same pendant. Yowch! Yep, he's been in the doghouse ever since. I'm gonna guess you told him about jt-jewelry.com. Yes, I did. wanted to make one quick mention about um, the what the Tim Burns tax plan would always look at and what I think any tax plan that gets implemented should always fit into the confines of what our founding documents talk about. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. You know what? All taxpayers should be treated equally under the law. And so for Charles Krautheimer to say 10 and 25%, well, that's outside the realm of equal treatment within the confines of our founding document. I'm always going to look at solutions going back to those founding documents because I think there is an overwhelming amount of wisdom if we will just do some homework Just read those founding documents to understand the answers. They're not buried in there. They come out, they pop out at us. And so my tax plan would always fit within that realm. 10% for everybody. I don't care. It's the same proportion. It's the same kind of effect. And I can promise you, that if you eliminate all loopholes, as uh, O'Reilly called it, or Krautheimer, they both agreed to that. Well, if there's no deductions, there's no loopholes. If it's I earn a dollar and I pay a dime and everybody's treated equally in that regard, well, bravo. It would create, again, I give you that GE illustration, $23 billion. They paid zero income tax. They would pay $2.3 billion on a corporate 10% tax. That is the whole 
confines of the way our founding documents are structured. And it would bring in an unbelievable amount of money. Because corporations, instead of trying to spend all this money on accountants looking for ways to avoid as much tax as possible, because we have the highest corporate tax rate in the world at 35%, if all of a sudden that great benefit started to hit, all that money is kept with those who have actually created it, well, everybody would be glad to pay 10%. Everybody could see that 10%, hey, Federal government, as long as you can work within the confines of 10%, then we're all happy with paying you 10%. No more IRS. There would be a revenue accounting office to look at business filings to make sure that the numbers were correct. And the one thing I had mentioned a few weeks ago, no more fraud according to refunds. That's where all of the fraud is taking place. Is these hackers shortcutting the process between companies getting out their W-2 forms and then that time gap between receiving it, by that time the hackers have already taken the money that's in the account. Guess what? That whole thing disappears because there's no such thing as a refund. There's no such thing going back to the government and asking for money. There's no complicated tax, filing, returns, paperwork. All of that stuff is eliminated. If you just come up with a simple, flat tax, no deductions, and the revenue would start to flow in another regard because that extra money, those extra pieces of pie, that 10-piece pie, which at the low end of the income scale, Three pieces of pie are gone in a blink of an eye. At the high income scale levels, five, six pieces of pie are gone in a blink of an eye. You put that two pieces back in the lower income and that four pieces back in the higher income, those four pieces out of that 10-piece pie, let the ones who generated it keep it. Do you know what would happen? There would be so much spending going on. We are a 70% spending economy, consumer spending economy. Where do you think that's going to go? It's going to go back right into the economy. And people will actually have the ability and the possibility of bettering their lives, of actually investing in their own American dream. Instead of scratching their heads and saying, come on. I remember somebody told me, they were sitting, this is before Obamacare took place, this was, well, after the vote took place, this was before any of the taxes kicked in, and they were sitting in a, well, it was a Kaiser, um, a Kaiser office, waiting for their appointment, and this person was sitting right next to a young couple, they were holding their kid. And he just, he, he was right next to him. He couldn't hear. He wasn't eavesdropping. But he could not help hearing the girl pulls out a paycheck. And she said, why is there money seemingly, if you're on a, a pretty consistent paycheck model, that's when you notice whether you're getting more in your paycheck or less. And she said to her husband, she said, 
why is it there's more money? How come my paycheck is so much more less? And there was a bunch of people in my office who said this very same thing. And this guy looked over at the two with about a five to ten second look and said, Obamacare. And it's just beginning. It's called taxes. Well, that wake-up call needs to happen in a very large way. Now, you've heard me talk about what can happen, political evolution. It happened 160 years ago, the first platform of the Republican Party based on a grassroots movement. Well, I think there's a hungry grassroots movement out there. It's proved by two elections in 2010 and 2014. Will we be able to have a we the people revolution, a constitutional solution through what the Constitution provides us? Well, that depends on how self-educated each of us become. We can transform. The Republican Party can be transformed back to where its roots are. But the Republican Party in 1856 didn't even exist it was a new party that happened. And yet we're told, ah, it's one way or the other. And please, plug your nose and vote. Throw your principles away. Well, they're not going to do it. They didn't do it in 2010. They won't do it. In, they didn't do it in 2014. And Republican strategists better be very careful about who they try and prop into the top spot. All right, everyone. Have a great day here in uh, uh, Denver and across the country, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Tim Burns. Don't forget, timburnshow.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.